Welcome to episode 24 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm your host, Eli. And listeners, today we are going to answer the question that you have all been asking. Since the beginning. Since the beginning, in the beginning. And that question is, what is that song they play at the beginning of every single podcast? Are you excited? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just really preoccupied because that was a live intro. Normally I have that track already faded. I thought I left you speechless. Automatically fading. (laughs) But because we're going to be playing music clips today, I've got my... I was a manual fade. I did it with my little fingers. If We've so, got cords and cables everywhere. It's like the Matrix. That's a really old reference. Yeah. But I wonder, listeners, how many of you have asked that question? I think you've already asked that question on the show. But, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a good it, question. It bears to be repeated. Repeating, repeated. Yeah. So that song, listeners, um, is the Les Ginka. It is the dance the national dance of the north caucasus absolutely and the south caucasus um and this series has been a long time coming so we're finally here it's our mini series we made it i'm kind of nervous on les ginka yeah but if we don't hit it all this time which we won't there'll be next time yeah there's good we're hoping to give a couple couple episodes of this listeners um so yeah so before we get into les ginka I have a I have a street name I would like to discuss. We have a segment. Okay. Andrew, tell me, what's in a street name? Many street names in Russia are named after famous people in Russian history, Soviet Soviet history. Um and yeah, they'll you'll see the street names in different cities and schools or famous places named after them. So We did a lot of research, and many of those people are from the Caucasus, are connected to the Caucasus. From street names all around Russia. That's right. That's Those streets that you drive on. Yeah. So who we're going to talk about today is Andrei Pastukov. Andrei Pastukov. In Russian, it would be Andrei Pastukov. Say that again. (laughs) Andrei Pastukov. Pastukov. Yeah. So uh, I saw this name on a street. It's pretty close to where I live in Pitigorsk. And uh, also it's connected to the mountain Elbrus too. So I did a lot of research. This guy's story is really fascinating. So Andrei Pastukov, he's Russian and he was born in 1858 in Ukraine, in Kharkov, Ukraine, which is uh, kind of Eastern, Northeastern Ukraine on the border with Russia. All right. And when he was a teenager, he got interested in topography. Andrew, for those listeners who don't know, which does not include Dan. Yes. Dan, the geographer, knows. Dan in D.C. knows this. What's topography? Yeah, so topography is like mapping stuff, right? Land, geography. Uh, is that right? <laughs> I mean, a, that, that's a formal definition, mapping stuff. Mapping stuff. Yeah, that's good enough. I mean, I, I think it's normally got like contour lines. There, That's the word I was looking for, yeah. contour. Meaning, yeah. meaning the heights of 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 the the land. Yes, thank elevation. you, thank you for helping <laughs> spicing that up. So, when he was eighteen, a military topographer stayed with his family. They were passing through Ukraine, or Kharkov, Ukraine specifically, and this topographer recommended to Andre that he take up this occupation. So, basically, based on that whim, he did it. 
Chicks dig it, man. Isn't that cool? Like, that's why hospitality is so important. You could get like future life direction from that that guest you're hosting. This is the path for you. Yeah. So he did. He did it. He enlisted in the army, and uh, he served a couple of years. And he was assigned to Tbilisi, Russia, or Georgia, which is the capital of Georgia. Then in history, it was called Tiflis, but now it's Tbilisi. Mm. In 1881, and in 1883, he began doing topographic climbs in the Caucasus mountains. Uh-huh. So most people say that Andrei Pastuchov is the first person to climb both peaks of Elbrus. There's the, there's two peaks, like a kind of like little camel hump you look at. Huge camel hump. Yeah. And we talked about this already on the podcast. There was a, 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 a Bokor man who first climbed. I actually could be misspeaking. It could have been a Kabardine man. He led an expedition, I think it was 1876, but Pastukov is the one who was the first to climb to both peaks in 1890. And basically he started, his job was climbing all the top peaks in the North Caucasus and the South Caucasus. So here's just a list of those. I I had almost heard of none of these mountains. Um, Kazbek in Georgia, he climbed, which I had heard of. I've heard of that. Ujba, which is in Georgia. Shakdag, which is in Azerbaijan, Alagiz, which is in Armenia, large and small Ararat, which is in formerly Armenia, now it's in Turkey, Halaz. Oh, like Ararat, Ararat. Ararat, Ararat. Like Noah's Ark, Ararat. Noah's Ark, Ararat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halaz, which is in North Ossetia, and then of course Elbrus. So think about that. In a basically a 10-year span, he climbed all those top peaks. For science. Yeah. Yeah, so he wasn't just climbing. He was doing topographic surveys. He was collecting rock samples. He was doing glacier charts and minerals and different things. Um, And on the way up Elbrus, the story is that one night, basically, a bad storm came in, and he was forced to spend the night on the mountain. And they call it now a Pastukovsky (gasps) Skali. That's where I've heard of it. Yes. Because Milo... Talked about. I was like, I know this Milo, word, the Pastuchovka, like Pastuchovka yeah. rocks. So basically, if you're climbing Elbrus, uh. w- one of the acclimatization climbs is up to the Pastuchov rocks and back. And then you're typically moving like northeast up the mountain. And once you get to the rocks, you take kind of a left turn the rest of the way up. But they named them after him because of that incident. Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he, because of him... The modern, there was no mapping of the Caucasus Mountains until Andrei Pastukov did them. Isn't that cool? That is cool. Yeah, he really and, pioneered that. Um, I mean, we're not, you know, he didn't have his, he didn't have his little North Face, you know, four season tent and his, his uh, lightweight, you know, aluminum alloy gear. Like, this dude was probably hauling up, like, Big wood handled ice axes and rope. Yeah, I actually have a list of what his equipment was for climbing. Do tell. A stick <laughs> with a bayonet, <laughs> a burka, which help me clarify burka is hat? No. Coat, like coat? Well, it's actually, that, uh, that actually jumps ahead to our Liz Ginka ah. conversation. Oh, a burka is a big, in the Caucasus, it's a huge. Thick wool coat slash ah, it's the sheep, house that sheepskin you carry. coat. Okay, yeah, that's they call it a burka. Gotcha. Yeah, and then boots. That was his 
Yeah, he didn't have all that gear because yeah. he didn't need it because he was a pansy <laughs> like the rest of us. Isn't that amazing? I just called all of you dudes out there who have climbed a lot more than I have. He didn't. He had a very short gear list. He had a short <laughs> gear list and a long life that tells you something. Actually, yeah. I don't know how long his life was. Yeah, well, so basically be- <laughs> because of this job, it was extremely strenuous on his health. And he ended up um, in 1899 passing away here in Pitigorsk. That's 40 years old, isn't it? Yeah, he was 41. 41. And he, he passed away here in Pitigorsk, and they buried him on the top of Mount Mashuk. Really? Which is right here beside my house. Yeah, our apartment. So I've been to his grave? Is it right there somewhere? I have not seen it yet, but there's a like a little memorial to him You know what? There, when you go on the observation deck, just down the hill, there's some... I think that's there's that's like his. some marble stuff. I, I bet that's it. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, he really was a pioneer. But all that from a street name. Isn't that cool? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. I think you have just convinced our listeners that this is going to be a worthwhile segment. Hey, not that I, no. I mean, I'm not saying I thought it wasn't going to be. The best is yet to come, listeners of street names. Okay, so. Let's talk about the Lesginka. I am so excited. Now for I have this. a question for you, Andrew. You you pretty much usually use the definite pronoun. Oh, I'm sorry, the definite article when you talk about Lesginka. You talk about the, the Lesginka. I'm wondering yes. if that's intentional, or if it's just how you end up saying it, uh-huh. or if, if I should be saying, "Is it the Lesginka?" Like for example, in my wife's hometown outside Yakima, there's an area, a valley. It's called the Weenass, which not only <laughs> Is a great name. Great example. But it's just, it's, it's not just like Weenass Valley as if that wouldn't be funny enough. It's the Weenass. Yes. Can I get a shout out for the Weenass? Who I mean, knew it's that like that would be referenced today? W-E-N-A-S. Check out the tags. That's awesome. So is it the Les Ginkgo or is yeah. that just an Andrewism? You know, there are lots of version, versions of it throughout the Caucasus, but in general, people refer to it as the Les Ginkgo dance. Yeah. So, um, why don't we, can we just play a clip here at the beginning? All right. Let, so, let's start off with the actual song. I'm so excited. So this is the, for many years now, decades, centuries, this has been kind of the national song and dance of the North Caucasus. Love it. So this is one of many versions of the Les Ginka. There we go. And you can hear how it kind of hits its stride. Yes. It's got this big ramp up, and now you're really in the beat. I'm going to turn this down and we can talk about it a little bit. Yeah. I I feel like I'd, I say this because I have felt this before, but when you hear a type of music that you have no context for, it's from another country. Another planet. It's just different from the kind of music you listen to. It can either be sound weird or annoying. <laughs> what are you saying? And about I, I'm wondering right now if some of our listeners are just thinking like, really? You listen to that? Yeah. But like me and Eli were in here tapping our feet Oh, kind of getting fired up. But I will tell you, Andrew, actually, that's a good, <laughs> that was actually, that's actually a good point. When, before I came here, knowing that I was coming to study yes. um, Caucasus arts and music, I remember watching videos of Liz Ginka and thinking to myself, I wonder how much of this I can take. Wow. Yeah. 
And I mean, I have a high capacity for appreciation. I remember I was working with a group of students <laughs> and we were talking about different aspects of culture, visual arts, <laughs> musical arts, and so on. And I really wanted to push the boundary. I played for them this composer named Janakis, this Greek guy. And his music was pure atonality, meaning he he wrote music based on uh, mathematical formulas that he was like a statistician. Wow. Statistician? Statistician. Statistician. Thank yes. you. And so it's literally his music has given me a physical headache huh. with his strings. So I remember playing, I, you know, so I have a high appreciation for it. And I was sitting there listening to this stuff like, I wonder if this will make me crazy. And I don't know if it's living here. I don't know if it's the water or the air, but <laughs> I like it. I love yeah. it. My kids love it. We all listen to it a lot. It's definitely, I think it's uh, appropriate to say it's an acquired taste. And it's grown on us. Yeah, it's definitely grown on me too and my daughters a lot. Um, and this is just one example. Yeah. So, um, yeah, let's rewind a little bit. And so the Lesginka is the national dance of the, of the Caucasus region. And that may surprise some of you. Some of you may like think of yourselves as experts on different dances around the world. But You may think you're an expert, <laughs> but Andrew's here to let you know. It it is a huge deal. You know, we've talked a lot about shashlik, kind of how like <laughs> shashlik is the food of the North Caucasus. Um, but I think you could put lesginka on par with shashlik as maybe the two kind of experiential things that is the North Caucasus. And I'll say the times I've done shashlik with locals, <laughs> lesginka has usually happened it somehow or another. It comes, comes out. out, yeah, yeah. So. Comes so, out of the trunk of the car. Let's talk about, yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> let's talk about the role of dance in society and like what big its function zoom out. is. Yeah, big zoom out and then we're going to zoom in. You guys, I hope you just appreciate it. Andrew's this like expert pilot and he's bringing us in. He's giving us the <laughs> big view, the 30,000 foot. He's circling down and we're going to just yeah. nail this thing. Let's go. I think this is helpful because I think you'll relate to more what I'm about to share. I found this through research, but like, Mean I personally? You'll relate to it more As because, well, you just have more of a appreciation for these kind of things than me. Well, let's leave it at that. Okay, so I found, um, I don't know what to even call this, a clip, but it's called Ten Functions of Dance. The, the functions that dance has in society and for people. This is from, um, the source is the internet. Yes. Carry on. Uh, it was a part of a uh, class of an arts class that was being taught at a university. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. pull off the internet. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Great. So, so it's academic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to rattle these off. Here are the 10 functions of dance. Wait a minute. Why don't let's do, let's do a, an inverse quiz. Like, let me see. Let me just do a quick brainstorm okay. on behalf of our listeners. Let's listeners, let's all think what are some of the functions of dance? Wow. Cause if you had quizzed me on this, I think I'm, Possibly could have gotten one. Well, and I don't know that I'll get the point. is not really to get them, but you learn better when you think ahead. That's of good. Time. So think other than just moving your body. <laughs> what is the, what's the point of dancing? All right. So for some people it is exercise. I think that's not on the list. I think for a lot of cultures, it's celebration. Okay. I think there's amusement. I think there's uh, storytelling slash history. Um, there's symbolism for culture, there's male, female relationships. And like in the U S dance is so different. Yes. And I know we have a lot of American. And listeners. this, 
I think this All right. these functions this. help us see the differences. Okay, go for it. So I'm just going to read these 10, and then we'll hone in on a couple of them. So number one, emotional expression. <gasps> number two, aesthetic enjoyment, mm. like beauty. <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Three, entertainment. Four, communication. Communication. And so just to clarify that, it's meant to convey a, convey a story message or idea. Mm-hmm. Five, symbolic representation. So it represents something greater than itself, the dance. Six, physical response. What does that mean? That would have been my answer. Like when Moving you hear your the music, body. you want to move. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> physical response. Yeah. Seven, enforcement to conformity to social norms. Big one. Yeah. Eight, validation of social institutions and religious rituals. Ah. Nine, contribution to continuity and stability of culture. Okay. These are getting wordy. And then the last is contribution to the integration of society. Exercise is not on the list. Yeah, I think physical (laughs) response probably is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, those are the 10 functions of dance. Did any like surprise you or stand out? Yeah. Number eight was really interesting. The way they, they, they phrased it, that it, it reinforces institutions or, or rituals or practices or, or whatever yeah. it said, like religiously. Social and socially and religiously. Cause yeah. it's, it's sort of like, we really mean it. We're going to dance about it. I mean, that would sound really funny, but actually mm. historically when you societies really mean things, they come out in their arts. Yeah. Good. So I looked at this list from the viewpoint of an American, mm. and in my opinion, what I think represents dancing in America. Because basically, dancing is becoming more and more popular in America. You mentioned exercise. I hadn't even thought about that. Mm. Um, but like these dance shows have just taken over TV, Dancing with the Stars, You Think You Can Dance, the Step Up movies. Yeah, I mean, it's become like very trendy and cool to be a good dancer. And so- if I had to say what the ones I would pick out that they represent in America would be emotional expression, mm-hmm. entertainment, and physical response. Physical response. Yeah. Yeah, definitely by and large. It, it fits in the entertainment industry yes. category in most settings in most people's mm-hmm. minds. Is there any, what would you, would you add any of those? I know you don't have the list in front of you. No, no, that's okay. I think um, the only place I would zoom in is, is there's so many subcultures in the U.S. Yes. As soon as you zoom in on a, like I have a friend who's taking hula, Hawaiian hula. Wow. And that is a a world, a universe unto itself. And so there, they knock off like all of them. Huh. I mean, they are re, they're reinforcing their symbolism. Right. Their, you know, like the upper body is the mountain, the lower body is the water, which yeah. is why the hips are always swinging. So, but I think for a lot of people, my guess, my hunch is that most North Americans like encounter dance pretty rarely in their daily lives. Physically doing it. Yes. It's a big part encounter. of- I mean, yeah. I think they may be, obs- see it in media. Yeah, it's everywhere in media for sure. Music videos But to like personally relate to it. I mean, music is the same way. You know, when huh. people like the difference between listening to music and uh, consuming music as a huh. consumer product versus at home, we pick up the this and the that and we jam. Yeah. I feel like there's a, that's a, there's a big gap there, but maybe that's closing. I would love for it to close. Yeah. Yeah. And even like you said, subcultures of dance, obviously, you know, people who appreciate ballet, that is a lot more about the aesthetic enjoyment. And that's not so much a form of like, response to music as it is beauty and an art 
You know? Yeah, good point. And um, I think in those subcultures, there would be reinforcement of certain values. Right, and right. Even distinction between society, like segments of society. Mm. You know, in high school, I don't know about you, but it was like, there were certain people I would see at a dance be like, I, I don't dance like that. Mm, yeah. For whatever reason. Right. I mean, it was very clear demarcation socially yeah. in that little yeah. bubble. Yeah. Yeah, so if I look at this list from the perspective of Caucasus and Les Ginka, I picked out four that I think represent dance here, and none of them overlapped with American. All right. <laughs> yeah. So this is my opinion, but uh, I said two, aesthetic enjoyment, four, communication, so it conveys a story or message, five, symbolic representation, and nine, it contributes to the stability of culture and continuity. Yeah, I think those are really good ones. And there's even a, a place um, where Caucasus Lesginka has been used in political protest. Huh. It kind of by its existence. We'll get into that in a future episode. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, this is something I've thought a lot about because, you know, we've lived here a couple of years. We're not from here. And even, you know, looking at how I viewed this list as American and then viewed the list from the perspective of Lesginka, um, they're just so different. And I think dancing in America means something totally different than what dancing here means. Um, here, like, I really feel like, and we're going to talk about this. There's so much history in the Les Ginka. There's so much that's communicated by the movements. Yeah. It really is significant not heavy, but like weighty, everything that goes into it. So, yeah. Well, let's dig into it. Should we talk about it? Let's right. Awesome. Good job. I like that list. Okay. So, is that coming in the show notes? Can you link that? We will link that link. What school is it from? Uh, I think it was Hagerstown Community College. That would be in Maryland. Maryland, yeah, yeah. So not far from your stomping grounds. The DC, yeah, the district. Okay, so let's talk a little about what does this dance mean. So uh, it's been around for sure hundreds of years, and um, there are basically two theories to its origins. What it, what does it represent? The first is that it's a war dance, which not surprisingly, the Caucasus has so much war in its history. I just kind of laughed when I read that, you know. Um, but some would say that it originated as before Caucasus men would go into battle, they would start doing this dance. It was men only, and it was a way to kind of show their courage and strength. And to pump each other up. Yeah, basically. Like, I bet that happens today in arms for armed forces. I mean, no, seriously, I bet they wow. like blast yeah. music. I mean, I take that a little bit from the sports, sporting, well, yeah. a sporting arena where each- Everybody was walking in with their headphones on, getting pumped up. And even when the guy's up to bat, you know, they play like whatever song he wants. Yeah, it's true. It's like that's the pump up thing. I bet that happens. Yeah, and so you can see that uh, half the Les Ginka videos on the internet are just guys doing the Les Ginka and- it's kind of like one guy after another sh- strutting his stuff, strutting you know? His stuff. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's one origin. The second is that it's a respectful and honoring way for a man to court a woman. Yep. Yeah. This dance. And they say that, they say that the history of that is that one day a man, he was in the mountains, saw this beautiful woman. So showing off. He ran up to her and was so taken by her beauty. At that moment, music started playing and he couldn't contain himself, like started spinning and jumping and dancing. And that was like his expression 
of his feelings towards her. True story. Yeah. The lesginka, the actual word they say is connected to the lesgin people. This is one of the many Dagestani peoples. It's in southern Dagestan, the lesgins. They're one of the larger uh, nations in Dagestan, and they primarily live in southern Dagestan and Azerbaijan. So uh, most likely this term was given by Russians probably in the 19th century. Uh, the Russian Caucasus War happened, and the lesgin was often referred to used to refer that term to all Dagestani people in that century. And so they think that the word Lesginka came from that name when actually all the nations of the Caucasus have some version of the Lesginka. But everyone accepts it as the name of the dance. That's right. Whether or not it started with the actual Lesgin people or not. Yeah. And, you know, people say, well, here's the Chechen Lesginka or here's the Dagestani or here's the Kabardine. They all have their twists. Um, but everybody uses that word, lesginka. Another angle on it is that uh, um, the root of the word is actually lek from one okay. of the Dagestani languages, hmm. which means eagle. Ah. And through declination and use, it, it was turned into lesginka with that ending on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's, that's a good piggyback to, to what I just said. Often people will say, when you watch the motions of the dance, the woman is like a graceful swan kind of flitting around the dance floor. And the man is like an eagle flying in from the mountain trying to like win her over. And we'll, we'll unpack those because there's a ton of symbolism in that and what that means and how they do it. It's very specific and it is beautiful. Um, yeah. So let's pull up another, another music. All right. So listeners, you can hear like the super fast beat and really the beat itself represents more kind of the the dance moves of the guy high energy so what are we seeing right now if the lesbian gets happening to this song so this is one of the most widely circulated lesbian songs it's a popular song or actually who which dj i think it might have been a guy named dj rambo believe it or not actually put this together but it's just it's a pop compilation yeah meant for like large gatherings yes and it's got a few key elements it's got the right tempo which is around 130 beats per per minute if you care about that stuff really fast like yes um you can hear this one's actually pretty popped up let me switch to a different one yeah All right, you can hear them all here. So the first thing you heard was a hand drum. Yes. The high-pitched ba-ba-da, ba-ba-da, ba-ba-da. That's Got a big, it. round, probably 14-inch in diameter, cylindrical black drum, okay. which is main hand drum. Of course, you've got a drum machine in there. Yep. The, the notes are coming primarily from a... Accordion. Accordion, or garmoshka, which they call it here. Yeah. And there's lots of kinds of accordions, and there's lots of tunings to them, even. They can be in different pitches. And then you've got this little rattly chip, 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 chip. And actually, um, we have a guest coming up who will play this for us. Um, awesome. And it's called a, a, well, the generic name is, is it's like a rattle, but it's a stack of wood, uh, little wood slats that are band- banded together and are loose. Mm-hmm. Smack them in your hand and they hit each other. Got it. So for certain people groups, that's key. Um, and then 
sometimes you get this really high pitched. Hey, there it right is. On, on tune, man. On uh, cue. Yeah, it's basically like a clarinet or an oboe. It's actually a double reed thing. Yeah. Or it's got different names. I don't know all the names. That's a really typical sound okay. you'll hear. Cool. So yeah. once this music's playing, listeners, often what happens is there'll be a big circle of people that forms, and there'll be one guy and one girl inside the circle. The woman, like a swan, basically she'll glide through the circle and she moves her feet in a way that if she has a long dress on, it almost looks like she's gliding. It's kind of amazing actually when they'll have the traditional long long dress and she'll kind of be waving her arms slowly, slowly and gracefully as she moves around the dance floor. And it, it looks like the woman has an easy part, but it's not at all. I mean, she's on her tiptoes like the whole time. And then the guy is, he's doing much more like aggressive kind of fast movements around the dance floor with his arms kind of, for lack of a better word, chopping back and forth. That's a great word. Yeah. It's really sharp, and so chopping. like one arm will shoot out to the side and other, the other shoot up towards the body in, and then they'll rotate the right. other way. Um, and he'll be moving his hands in different ways. His feet will be kind of, tippity tapping back and forth. Not sure how to say it. But the, the thing that's interesting about this is they never touch ever. The man and the woman. Yeah. Right. And that, that's, that's really important. It's like he's courting her um, and trying to win her over and the swan is playing hard to get kind of. Yes, yeah. exactly. And so there's, there's a lot of uh, innuendo would be too strong of a word. It's not innuendo, but there's a lot of uh, meaning or implication. Meaning, definitely. Um, but there, it, it's a dance that lacks any erotic or sensual components. Yeah, definitely not any it of that. It really maximizes kind of uh, modesty of the women. Yes. And the the key word for the guy's movements is character in mm. Russian. Mm. It's all about like him demonstrating his metal, like who he yeah. who he is. That's true. Yeah, because when you watch, we'll leave some links in the show notes. Listeners, you got to watch it to really understand it, but you'll notice all the men, their chests are puffed out. They're kind of, their heads are raised proud. They'll often have big smiles on their Huge faces. Huge smiles. You, if, if you see someone dancing, Liz Ginka frowning or with a flat face, <laughs> he's failing. Yeah. It is, I'm always amazed at how they can have such a big grin while they're doing all those movements. I mean, we have a friend at the university. He's English. His name is, uh, well, John in English. Oh uh, yeah, and he's like six something. He's tall. He's got this huge teethy smile, mm. and he was on stage doing this, and he had on the big puffy hat, the I, huge puffy woolen. I hat. noticed him, and he was just enormous. I mean, he was yeah, on stage. He, he was big. He was standing on his toes. He had this huge hat, and this huge smile, and he was just like this amazing presence. I mean, it was. I didn't even actually even recognize him. His grin, that was what was amazing to me, was yeah. how does he have that big grin on his face the whole time? Yeah. But yeah, the men, basically, the whole point is for them to demonstrate their courage and strength. Yeah. And again, even the quick, aggressive movements and the spins and the way the dance goes for the men, it is kind of represents like, uh, like about going to war, like through the mountains and kind of the history of the Caucasus. And the traditional costumes reflect that. It's all a battle. It's battle array. Yeah. Even the puffy hat. That's you know, right. That's, it, a, that's a battle hat. Traditional, yeah. Um, where, and then often what will happen is the same girl will stay out and a different guy 
will come on the dance floor. And what that represents is the first guy could not win over the heart of the woman. And so the second guy will come out and try. Um, and so, and then sometimes the women will switch. It's kind of like rotating and it's usually one man, one woman out there at all times. Yeah. Um, and there's also a big difference between, I would say there's probably, probably kind of three main settings. There's, there's stage dancing with professional troops. Yes. And these are, like troops with a U, T R O U P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dance troops, ensembles, ensembles. They're trained. They've got the music, and they do a show. And it may have improvis- improvisation in it, but they're all yeah. like super high level. There's weddings where you both have professionals hired for the wedding, mm-hmm. but they're not usually in traditional costume. Yeah, though sometimes they are. And or you have people like themselves preparing to show off at the wedding. Yeah. And then I would say, and chime in on this, but then I would say there's the like back alley trunk of the car open speakers blasting or someone turning on their iPhone while doing shush leak and yep. just like kind of kicking back and, yeah. and, and breaking out a little less ginkgo. Like those are kind of the three main areas I see it. And they're mm-hmm. all, they're all sort of emphasize it in different ways. Yeah. 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 That's really good. Um, and if, if you don't believe us listeners <laughs> that this is a big deal here, just go on YouTube uh. and enter the word less ginkgo L E Z G I N K A. You will be blown away by how many videos there are. And something And that's just in English. If you exactly. can, can type in Russian, there's way more. Yeah, that's something I discovered doing this is I'm trying to we're both doing research on this for this uh for this episode. And in English it's like you're just trying to kind of find two sites to string together. <laughs> and there's references, right. but it's usually like in the encyclopedia of all peoples, like on page 849, it's like, and they dance their dance. Can Les I just Ginko. say the Wikipedia entry for Les Ginko was pretty lame. You know, we might have to edit that. <laughs> so, but, but then I went to a Russian search engine and I yeah, typed in Les Ginko. So many. And I actually typed in like analysis of Les Ginko. It was like, <clears throat> all these sites. So, wow. there's a language barrier that um, kind of, I think keeps keeps this contained a bit gosh that's a good point i mean like many things here it just hasn't reached the kind of the wide audience of the the whole world that's where you know? we come in that's right um we are your source for the leskinka yeah so man we could say so much i think you touched you touched on the clothing real quick let's talk about that and then let's kind of wrap up this with kind of some of our overall things we like about it. Okay. And then we have so much more. We're going to tell people where we're going. Sure. So, uh, Eli, you mentioned the clothing is kind of the traditional Caucasus outfits. And if, if you've never seen those before, they're really beautiful. Um, listeners, they're kind of these traditional outfits and (laughs) I don't know how else to say it, but the, the man's outfit is like, it looks like a kind of old school soldier. Um, and he'll have like, on his like breast pocket, it's a place for like old bullets for a gun. He's got a a sheath for a dagger on his belt, and he's got he looks like a warrior. He's got these high knee high black boots, right? Yeah, and that's kind of represents the Caucasus warrior from the nineteenth century, right? Riding and, on and his it's, horse is because it, 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 they they were all equestrian. So I think an old school soldier from like the Civil War has mm. that square little hat and yeah, kind yeah. of a square jacket. This mm-hmm. would be really different. I mean, they rode horses too, obviously, but this is is kind of hourglass shaped. And the, 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 there's a robe. They have mm. tight pants yeah. with those boots. They have a robe that cinched around the waist and it kind of flares out down to the knees. Yeah, and this gives it a bit of a uh, f- like it flares out when they dance. 
kind of emphasizing a little bit of a wing action. Yeah. Um, right. And it's all, um, now it's all pretty gilded. There's gold. Yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah. Highlighting. And those, those, um, I don't know if they're bullet or powder, powder, like that's probably right. Powder holders yeah. in the chest. Yeah. Um, and a belt and a dagger. Those are, those are requisite for, for mm-hmm. the dance. And then you cannot miss often men will be wearing a hat. It's called a papaka, a papaka. but that's kind of like, it's a sheepskin hat. It's like, if you're coming here to get a souvenir in the North Caucasus, you got to get a papaka. Uh, but that would keep their heads warm in the winter many you know, years ago and even still to this day. But that's often what you'll see in some of the, the Lesgica And there's different shapes. Dances. There's cylindrical. Yeah. There's big puff balls. There's a guy, there's a student at the school who's um, North African. So he's got like crinky uh, black hair. Yeah. And he just has a fro. I mean, he's a huge fro. <laughs> and when I see that guy and I think, I think he's someone wearing a got his own papaka, but it's just his hat. But that's what it looks like, like a big fro. Yeah, and we'll have some pictures for you to kind of check that out. In any of the videos, you'll see that too. And then the women basically wear these beautiful gown-like dresses uh, all the way down to their toes. Um, They're very ornate. The colors are very bright, and often uh, women will be covered, like their heads will be covered. Uh, the dresses really are beautiful. Uh, like my daughters, they love the lesginka because they love they they love all the princess dresses. They right. say, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah. like when a man and woman or a group of people are doing the lesginka in the national costumes or outfits, it's just beautiful. It's really cool to watch, especially if there is an ensemble. That's right. I mean, it looks pretty amazing. All on point. And just like you said, these women, they, you can't see their feet. Mm-hmm. Um. There's different forms. There are there is some in Dagestan. There's some where they have a shorter gown and they have pantaloons on, like yes. puffy pants, and they do some like crazy footwork. Yeah, they do. Um, some of the for the women, but that's unique to Dagestan. But um, they they do a bunch of like, and there's Russian dance like this too. But they're walking on their toes, but you can't see any movement in their upper bodies. Mm. And think about a lake, uh, sorry, swan on a lake. Yes, if its feet are down, they're kicking away, but it's just ghosting along right. the water. So it's they and they're they they have a shawl that will kind of emphasize the yeah. And there, I was like studying like what each movement means. The woman's feet, as she moves on her toes, the goal is that it would she would keep her body level the whole time. So Mm. if she has a a dress down to her toes, you literally can't see her feet moving. It looks like she's gliding. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah, So the the costumes are really beautiful. Um, Yeah. So I just want to say. I love the lesginka. I love the dance. I love what it represents. Uh, a couple of things I would say about it is, for one, you know, I'm a father of three kids and I have two little girls, six and three. And I just really appreciate how there's just no like obscene sexuality involved with the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like so much dance in the West has become extremely over the top sexual, very revealing clothing, uh, people on top of each other. And I mean, there's kind of like this club culture, you know, in the West. Um, but the lesginka is like the complete opposite of that. And I love getting to experience it with my daughters. Like, it's really cool. So I appreciate all that it represents kind of from a perspective of like, it's just kind of good, clean fun. Yeah. You know? That's a great way of putting it. It's very, <laughs> it's very, I haven't really thought about that, but like I have a two-year-old girl. Yeah. And she, every morning. <laughs> um, literally every morning she comes in and asks us to turn on Les Ginka that's awesome so she can dance around and I never 
I might be busy or working, but I never think like, Ugh, I don't really want her doing that dance. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think for me, it gives you, so next episode, um, I'll be sharing about my experience taking Liz Ginka lessons, hmm. which I've been doing for the last six months. And it really gives you an appreciation from the inside out. Like yeah, your body learning to move in those ways. It literally embodies so many values huh. that I could understand in my head before, but now right. trying to execute them in my body physically. Wow. is like, wow, there's a, I'm, I can't just up and do this. Yeah. It's hard. If you think you can up and do it, just go <laughs> just ahead and try. And try. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much everybody on the internet who writes about their first time trying it, they just talk about how like they were so embarrassed and yeah. it, it was much harder than it looked. But it's and, really gratifying when you get it. Right. It's like yeah. it feels good. Yeah, that's cool. I would and I would just add to that, um it's just so ingrained in Caucasus culture that that's often one of the things people do when they get together to have fun is, you know, we've talked about shashlik, which is like grilling out. Um, it's May. It's May right now. It's just starting to get a little warm. We're already getting shashlik invitations, you know, like summer, mm-hmm. summer's coming. But when you get a group of people together and they're having a good time in the Caucasus, at some point or another, the Lesgink is going to be turned on. And it doesn't matter where you are. You might literally be on the countryside, in the woods, in somebody's yard. They're going to crank the bass in the car or on a phone, and people will just start <laughs> dancing. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Can you play that clip I pulled up? Uh, I have a surprise clip here. Listeners, most of you are going to be familiar with this song. Uh-huh. Justin Timberlake. Can't stop the feeling. I got this feeling. So... I feel like this song right now, I feel like this represents what dance is in the West. I mean, listen to the words he's singing. It's about this feeling you've got. It's all about the experience, the physical response to the music, emotional expression. I feel like <laughs> this might be a heretical statement, but can't stop the feeling, Justin Timberlake. That's like the Les Ginka is that song here in the North Caucasus, but the Les Ginka embodies so much more. So, man, come to the Caucasus and do the Les Ginka with us. That's a that's a wrap. <laughs> so, listeners, we're gonna have these next couple episodes about the Les Ginka. The show notes are gonna be replete with links, and we're gonna do a couple more episodes just about this dance because it's such a big deal so do you have anything else to add eli i hope people are actually inspired from this just to like do some dancing man yeah i want to i want to leave our listeners with the word that this this song is often described with this dance in russian it's zazhigatelny zazhigatelny yes. and i couldn't come up with the english translation i looked it up today it means incendiary that's right. But like to spark something off, does that got spark it off to set it off to like start a fire. And that's the word people here use when the lesginka gets turned on people to start moving and start dancing. Uh, it's something in them. So let's go dance. Yeah. There's your Russian word for the day. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Um, if you have any feedback, we'd love to hear it. Email us at podcast at caucus talk. 
Com. As always, if you're enjoying this uh, episode and you have not left us a review yet on iTunes, please do that. And just got to dance. And we'll see you. We'll see you and we'll dance with you when you get here. <laughs> <laughs>